and start your engines. Uh, here's the way that about. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. We are live on Sunday nights. You might be watching this on a replay or listening uh, to our downloads. By the way, the show is just exploding. I be, I was looking at the statistics. And we are literally doubling in downloads in some of our platforms one week to the next. Uh, so we're really catching fire. Thank you for your support. For those that listen at iTunes, an iTunes review would be appreciated. Those reviews mean so much for the show to gain more visibility and more traction. Big show tonight, holding this book up here uh, to those watching on the video stream. Mike McCormick is here in 28 minutes to talk about this explosive book, Joe Biden Unauthorized. Uh, this is a very fair book. It is not a hit piece on Joe Biden. It's very fair and has the ring of truth to so many interesting stories. And uh, Mike McCormick will be here. And we're going to start that interview out uh, by talking about Hunter Biden. So you'll want to uh, be here for that. Uh, we may break some news tonight on that. And next week, we're going to get a little bit crazy and some of you are going to think I've lost my mind, but uh, we decided to invite this guy. His name is David Weiss, and he is one of the foremost experts on the flat earth theory. Now, I don't believe in the flat earth theory, but I think it's fascinating. These flat earth guys, in particular, David Weiss, has an answer to every possible objection or question about the flat earth theory. So we thought it would be fun to have him on and have that discussion here and also to open up the phone lines next week. And we're, we're going to do that tonight, too, uh, during our segment with Mike McCormick. So stay tuned for your opportunity to call in. And more and more of you are calling in and contributing. And I appreciate that so much. And we are still in the works of planning some special shows that will be just you as the callers. We're going to have a um like a panel type of a show where we're going to take uh, our top three or four best callers and just have a discussion uh, some weeks. And that'll be the, the entire show. So we're looking forward to that as well. But uh, next week, <laughs> I know I've lost my mind. We're going to be talking about flat earth next week. You know, things are getting boring, right? When Trump is out of office, have you noticed that people are seem to be looking less at Facebook and less sharing and commenting and liking and clicking and all of that is going on on social media? Eh, it's just a sign of the times and people are just not following the news as closely because uh, Trump is not in office and he's not on social media. And uh, I've got some news about Trump tonight, but I want to start with this top story tonight. Derek Chauvin, if you remember, he's the former Minneapolis police officer who is one of the individuals charged 
in the death of George Floyd. If you remember, obviously, the story uh, where they literally burned uh, much of Minneapolis, many neighborhoods in Minneapolis were burned to the ground. Uh, stores were looted, uh, millions and millions of dollars of damage. Well, as many people probably aren't watching this too closely, you're not really hearing about this in the news. Uh, coming up in about one week, the trial begins of former police officer Derek Chauvin. Now, it's interesting to watch what is happening. Uh, so many interesting things about this trial. Uh, I believe it's going to be televised. That is the latest that I've heard that it will be televised, which will be fascinating and riveting to watch this. I, I found it interesting this week, a story that the city of Minneapolis, believe it or not, has hired about a dozen social media influencers. They've paid these people thousands of dollars to apparently be in charge of uh, putting out information on behalf of the city of Minneapolis during the trial. So they're trying to reach people that may not watch mainstream news. And if you watch what is happening, the courthouse where Derek Chauvin will be tried is being turned into a literal fortress. It looks on a smaller scale, much like Washington, D.C. You've got uh, chain link fences and razor wire barriers that are being put up because what they're saying is that anything less, anything less than a murder conviction will cause riots of epic proportions, even bigger than the riots that we saw uh, when all this this happened several months ago with George Floyd. Now, to give you a little preview here, as is always the case with these trials, there's going to be a lot more information that's going to come out about George Floyd at what was happening at the time. Uh, there is uh, news stories about him having uh, drugs in his system. Uh, the cause of death is 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 now sort of up in the air. Was it his heart? Was it related to the drugs? How much of it was related to him being held down? We certainly don't think here on this show that George Floyd should have been held down like that while he was yelling, I can't breathe. Um, I don't see a way to justify that as long as they were holding him down. Uh, if you're a police officer, you've got to err on the side of caution. If someone says they can't breathe, you've got to take that at face value and and make adjustments. They clearly had control of him. They had uh, him handcuffed. There were three of them there. The idea that they had to hold him down in that way, I, I just, I'm not persuaded. But on the other hand, we're going to see a lot of mitigating evidence that will be presented. And what is likely to happen here is probably the jury will split the baby. They're not going to send this guy away on a murder charge. It's unlikely in any case that that's going to happen. Um, I mean, obviously, something happened here. Um, does he walk as a free man? It could happen. I, I haven't seen the evidence. Uh, it's kind of trickling out. The media isn't covering the discovery and the evidence. I don't even know how much of it is actually out there for public consumption. But we're going to see a lot of mitigating evidence that is going to show that maybe there were a lot of other factors that contributed to George Floyd's death. And maybe it wasn't just this officer holding him down. And then you get into sort of, what does a jury do with that? Um, if somebody was already 
pumped full of drugs and had heart issues and there were other factors. Can you really say that it was Derek Chauvin that was the cause of death? And if not, what does he get ultimately get convicted of? Something lesser, uh, manslaughter, uh, you know, something like that. I, I don't know. Or is it a second degree, uh, you know, murder? I, I don't know what's going to happen here, but they're saying anything less than a first degree, you know, murder conviction here, um, they're saying is going to cause riots. Uh, so we're going to have to watch this closely. You know, I, I just don't see him being convicted of murder. It's going to be a lesser charge if he's convicted. And there's going to be a lot of other mitigating facts that are going to come out. And this is always what happens, right? This is the problem is when one of these th situations happens, the media immediately runs with the narrative and the narrative only has, you know, that information in it that they want us to know at the time. And even we're finding this to be the case with these local governments. They don't release all the body cam footage. They don't release all of the evidence that might um, help to exonerate or minimize the charges that the police officer uh, would face. Now, Derek Chauvin has been out on bail now for quite a period of time, so he's he has been walking around as a free man. We haven't heard a lot about this trial, but this is going to be a big one. I mean, I don't want to put it up there with O.J. Simpson, but it's definitely going to be a big trial. Um, and I, I'm understanding it will be televised. So some of those, you know, news channels are going to carry it. I'm not sure how much, but certainly like court TV. Uh, but this is happening. It's coming up. Uh, it'll start on March the 8th, jury selection. And uh, they're sort of bracing for the worst. But I thought this was just a little bit, I don't know, odd that they're hiring social media influencers uh, to be able to uh, communicate to the public on behalf of the city of Minneapolis. They're apparently kind of bracing for the worst. Um, maybe they know that he's not going to be convicted of murder because they already know what the evidence is. And maybe it'll be a lesser charge. And God forbid, if he were to walk, if a jury looked at everything and said, well, gosh, we can't convict this guy. You know, let's imagine that scenario. And if that's the truth, after we see everything, then that's the truth. That's what the jury has to do. But it's almost as if they can't let him walk because the crowd will not stand for that. Um, it would be hard for me at this point from the evidence I've seen to justify him just simply walking away from this altogether, but I don't know because I haven't seen everything, but it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating trial to watch. All right. So president Trump, former president Trump spoke to CPAC in Orlando over the weekend and it was huge and people loved it and he didn't come out and say it, but it was implied uh, the 2024 run seemed to be implied. And uh, he did get into what I believe is a number one issue. I mean, a lot of people are talking about, you know, 2022 and and who they're going to, you know, primary against some of these rhino Republicans and all these other things going on. But But really, for me, it's always been the election integrity issue, because if we can't fix the election integrity issue, Kind of like all this other stuff doesn't matter. And I was very happy to see that Trump did address that front and center. And he is not backing away from his claim uh, that he did win the election, uh, which many people said hey, he better back off from that. 
he better, you know, not go there. But he is saying that he's still holding to that, uh, um, you know, notion that he won. And you know what? I, I, I just don't know. I wish we had more information. We're not even allowed to ask questions about it. No court will look at it. It seems like a hot potato nobody wants to deal with. But in my mind, all of these absentee ballots, all of these questions about people voting more than once, people voting that are underage, people voting outside of the state where they lived, uh, dead people voting. All of these questions have to be looked into before 2022, no less before 2024. So that to me is the number one issue. Now, this was disturbing. Uh, one of our senators here in Florida, Rick Scott, who is also our former governor, uh, said in an interview this week that he will support incumbent Republicans for reelection, not the individuals backed by Trump. So, again, you know, here's a, a Rick Scott, who is a you know fairly reliable conservative who I generally like. But once again, we've got the good old boys club. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to support the incumbents, uh, regardless of who Trump, uh, who Trump backs, um, which to me, I mean, I could see him saying, I'll look at who Trump backs and I'll look at the incumbent and I'll pick the better of the two. That to me, you know, in my opinion, as the senator from Florida, Rick Scott, you know, him speaking would say, I'll look at who Trump recommends and I'll look at the incumbent and I'll make my decision at that time. But to, to say now that he's automatically going to back the incumbent, regardless of who the challenger is, to me, that's reckless. And to me, it just confirms. And I keep saying this. I, I talk to a lot of my conservative friends and what you hear is we can't start a third party because it would cost a billion dollars. There's no way we could get registered in all the states to really have an impact in 2022, maybe not even by 2024. We would end up splitting the vote between this new uh, what many people are calling the Patriot Party and the Republican Party because it would be a third party. I don't know that I buy any of that. I, I just don't buy any of that. I Honestly, I say, well, why wouldn't the Republican Party become the third party? You know, why wouldn't they be uh, the party that needs to go away? I, I just wonder if there's any way. And this was really my my criticism of Trump. You know, Trump comes into office brings in uh, Reince Priebus, uh, Priebus and, and these uh, surrounds himself by all these, uh, you know, hardcore Republicans that have been around for way too long inside the Beltway people. I just thought that was a mistake. I know that he felt like that if he brought in those kind of people, it would build a bridge uh, to the Republicans and would help him, but it didn't help him. Right. The first two years he was in office, uh, he had all three, uh, the Senate, uh, the house and the presidency, and he wasn't able to, to do a lot legislatively. Um, you know, and, and you look at people like Paul Ryan, these are not his friends, Mitt Romney, Paul Ryan, these kinds of people. And I just don't know if there's any way this is going to change without a new party to be formed. Uh, yes, we can do it from the inside. We can primary people. We can get rid of the Liz Cheney's and those sorts of people. We can do that from inside. Maybe, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you just reach a point. It's kind of like with a car, right? You get to a point with an older vehicle 
where you decide, you know what, if I need new tires, I can do that. If I need a repair for a few hundred dollars, I can do that. But when you get into this idea of like rebuilding an entire car, <laughs> it needs a new engine. It needs a new transmission. It needs new axles. You get to a point where there's just too much wrong with this thing. I've got to get rid of it and get into a, a new car. And at what point do we decide that the Republican Party is rotten beyond repair? I personally think we're there right now. And I'm not one of these inside political guys. You know, I didn't go to CPAC. I've gone to some of these meetings in the past. Um, maybe what I'm saying is totally unrealistic, totally from left field. But I'd love to hear from you. Uh, send me an email, jim at christianmoney.com. I want to know, as a listener, as a viewer of this show, do you think that the Republican Party, do you think that we should try to change it from within or just start with a whole new party? I know the conventional thinking is you can't start a third party. I I'm just not, I'm not buying into it. All right. Did you see the story this week about Mr. Potato Head? By the way, I bought a Mr. Potato Head because I wanted to bring Mr. Potato Head on this show tonight. So I buy Mr. Potato Head through Walmart online. And then it tells me to go to the store and pick up my Mr. Potato Head. So I head off to the store a couple of hours after I place my order. And I show up and I stand in line and the guy says, oh, I went to the shelf and there is no Mr. Potato Head. We, we did charge your credit card. We did take an order from you for Mr. Potato Head, but they're gone. <laughs> so I wanted to bring a Mr. Potato Head on. But in any case, you probably heard the story this week. Hasbro decided and they made this announcement that they were going to turn Mr. Potato Head into a general uh, a gender, a gender neutral toy. So I don't know what he, I guess he was just going to be potato head. It wasn't going to be Mr. Potato head. It was just going to be potato head, which by the way, when I was at Walmart, they did say I could have a Mrs. Potato head. They still had a couple of those. My wife says I should have grabbed one, but, but I didn't, I, I wanted the Mr. Potato head. Um, and our kids had Mr. Potato Head for years. I don't know how many of them. We probably owned a dozen Mr. Potato Heads because they'd always lose parts to it and so forth. But in any case, Hasbro came out with this idea that Mr. Potato Head was going to become gender neutral. And I posted this on my Facebook, you know, God bless Rush Limbaugh, because if you can only imagine if, if this story had come out when Rush was still with us here on earth. Uh, what he would have done with this story about Mr. Potato Head becoming just Potato Head and becoming gender neutral. And the people at Hasbro said this was all about giving kids the opportunity to create gender neutral families or uh, same sex families. I'm not sure exactly what their thoughts were, but my wife and I were talking about that this this week and it's hilarious. But somewhere in a corporate boardroom, a bunch of adults got together and thought this was a good idea. And they were shocked. They were absolutely shocked that we didn't embrace this idea of a gender neutral potato head. Uh, and so my wife and I were having the discussion about how big of a disconnect there is between these corporate people and, and the average American. You think they might have like, I don't know, focus grouped this or something before they made such a change to an iconic toy. Uh, but this is what's happening. We, we literally have this, uh, 
this elite class of people in America that are so far off the deep end. They're so far off the deep end and disconnected from the rest of us that they have absolutely no clue why there would be such a backlash against a gender neutral potato head. <laughs> and it's just to me, that was the bigger story than uh, what they were trying to do to Mr. Potato Head. Uh, the idea that anybody would think that this was a good idea. But if you think that is crazy, let me tell you what the next thing is coming. And if you didn't see this, this hearing uh, this past week, there was a hearing uh, with Dr. Rachel Levine, who is a, uh, a transgender, I believe the first transgender uh, to be uh, in a cabinet position. And the position is the assistant health secretary. And there was a hearing in the Senate uh, and she would not answer the question about gender reassignment uh, and it requiring parental consent. So if you can imagine this, it's one thing for a child to decide, I feel like I'm a boy and they want to start dressing like a boy, even though they're biologically a girl or vice versa. That's one thing. But then when you get into these uh, hormone uh, drugs, when you get into surgeries for someone that is not 18, um, I mean, kids, kids can't decide about something that big about uh, reassigning their gender. Well, the scary thing is this, and, and watch this. This is coming. The idea that a minor could actually go and get this surgery without parental consent. That is the next thing that liberals seem to be pushing for, which I think is absolutely crazy. I think it's insane that they could get it with parental consent. This life-changing, life-altering um, surgery or this hormone treatment. Uh, look, a lot of us are confused when we're growing up. Uh, I wanted to be a fireman one year. Then the next year, I, when I grew up, I wanted to be a policeman. The next year, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Uh, a lot of us are confused growing up, right? Uh, you have... You know, I had different girlfriends I broke up with and I was so upset I didn't want to live because I was, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me. You can't take seriously uh, the emotional roller coaster of children. Uh, the idea that this is something that's out there and that um, this nominee for the assistant health secretary would not give a direct answer to uh, parental consent for gender gender reassignment. I. I'm just, I'm aghast. I don't know what to say about it. It's, it's unreal. Okay. A lot more to get into, but I want to quickly mention this to you. Last week I mentioned Ravencoin to you and, um, I just went online and I saw another great coin that was up, uh, like 25% this week and it's only going for a little over a dollar. Now, everybody knows about Bitcoin. People are super excited about Bitcoin. If you're someone that got in early, of course, you've made a ton of money. Uh, many of us got in early on Bitcoin. But the the search is this. People are looking for what could be the next Bitcoin. Last week, I talked about Ravencoin. But there are several of these smaller coins 
that you could get into now that have a chance to really explode and become maybe the next Bitcoin. Now, in my online course, I teach you how to find these coins. It's not hard, but you've got to go through. I, I do a video on this and I teach you the steps of how to find these coins. Some of them are just a few cents, a few pennies, and you can buy these and you could buy a few different coins, right? Uh, and then have, have all of these, you know, 10, 12 of these smaller coins, maybe one of them becomes the next Bitcoin. Uh, and I've been pretty accurate in making these predictions. So last week we talked about Ravencoin. And so if you want to find out more about my online course, uh, tonight's sponsor is BitcoinWorkshop.us. And uh, you get a free copy of my book the 90 day Bitcoin quick start, and you get access to all of the videos as well as our discussion group, which takes place in a private group on Facebook where all of us that are in the class discuss these ideas. Uh, check it out tonight. Sponsor Bitcoin workshop us Bitcoin workshop us. Okay. I don't know if you saw this story. Uh, the second Cuomo former aide, uh, governor of New York, uh, the second Cuomo Cuomo allegation has come out, uh, with there's a, a second, uh, female now that is, uh, coming forward to talk about sexual harassment, uh, that took place while she was working there on the job. And so now we've got the, you know, the COVID-19 scandal of thousands of, of deaths, uh, directly attributed to, uh, individuals being forced back into nursing homes and then, of course, the cover up of that, those statistics not coming out. And then we now have the second uh, sexual harassment charge coming out. Now, uh, Cuomo came out uh, today with what I would call a non-apology apology. It was one of those apologies where it was sort of like this, like, I'm sorry that people felt the way that they felt. It really didn't take ownership of what he did. And that's so many times the case with these uh, individuals. They really can't admit they've done anything wrong. It just sort of goes against their sociopathic tendencies. So what we got today from uh, Cuomo was a non-apology apology. Basically, I'm sorry that people feel the way that they felt and took things that way. <laughs> uh, one, one woman uh, says that he uh, talked about playing strip poker uh, with her in the office. He tried to kiss her. I mean, all kinds of bizarre things, but he's sorry that they chose to take it that way. So, so that's sort of the non-apology apology. All right. So it looks like the stimulus deal is coming together uh, through trickery. They're doing this through reconciliation uh, so that it doesn't have to um, have a filibuster proof majority in the Senate. They're not able to, however, with that tactic, uh, also put the minimum wage, uh, the $15 minimum wage in there. So through that strategy of reconciliation, they're not going to be able to do that. Um, but the, it looks like the stimulus deal, $1.9 trillion, no kidding, filled with pork. Uh, that's probably going to be passed this week. Uh, so a little bit of good news, I guess, for those of you that need the money, uh, it looks like a $1,400 stimulus check will be going out, uh, to most Americans, uh, 75,000 or less individual earnings or 150,000 if you're married filing jointly. And then there's money in there for each of your kids as well. So there's going to be a windfall of money. <laughs> and so I guess that's the one good thing that comes out of it, but it is absolutely 
absolutely filled with pork. And then we'll close out our new segment with this. Um, I don't know if you saw this in the news this week. It's something not right about this. There, there is a reported 98% decrease, 98% decrease in the number of flu cases this flu season. Now, hmm, that, that's got to make you scratch your head, right? We've, we've almost wiped out the flu. How did that happen? Uh, some people are saying, well, it's because of social distancing and masks. I don't believe that for a second. What I think is more likely the case is maybe, and call me a conspiracy theorist, but maybe uh, a lot of these COVID cases are actually the flu. I mean, it, it wouldn't be crazy to think that, right? I mean, the idea that we've literally wiped out the flu, that the flu, I mean, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 people will get the flu at typically in the United States during flu season. The idea that virtually no one got the flu this time around, that does not make sense to me. And I've got to think that there's something more to that. Uh, most likely, in my view, a lot of the, the remaining COVID cases that are still popping up uh, may, in fact, be be flu cases. All right. We're going to take a one minute break. I'm going to let my producer know that we don't have Mike McCormick yet on the phone lines. Uh, what's that? OK, uh, probably need to check the phone number because the line is open. We have four open lines. Uh, so we're uh, trying to make contact here with uh, with our guest. We'll take a one minute break. We'll refire the open and uh, we'll be back hopefully <laughs> in one minute with our guest, Mike McCormick, as we talk about uh, the book Joe Biden Unauthorized.